I read something the other day that I don't, I don't think I'd ever heard it phrased this way. And, and it really made a lot of sense to me. It was this statement. It said, the church should be a safe place to hear a dangerous message. You ever thought about that way? The safe place to hear a dangerous message. And, and you know, as I, as I tried to kind of interact with that phrase, I started thinking and praying, man, Lord, I hope, I hope that's what Colonial Heights Baptist is. I hope we're a place where people can safely deal with what is a very dangerous message. And as we deal with that message, as we look for biblical guidance uh, in that message, the good news is what is dangerous can become something very, very good in our lives. I want to read a passage real quick. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and and it begins in, uh, in verse 9. Paul's writing and he says, Do you not know that the unjust will not inherit the kingdom of God? I mean, folks, there's a very clear statement there. There are people who are not going to go to heaven. There are people that are going to go to hell. And then the next line says, do not be deceived. Now, whenever the the Scripture warns us, encourages us, commands us of something, usually it's because our nature is to do the opposite. So when it's saying, don't be deceived, it's because in us is the ability to lie to ourselves. In us is the ability to deceive ourselves and say, oh, it's, the, it's all going to work out. Oh, you know, th- th- I don't think that's a big deal to God. Oh, you know, he's a, he's a loving God. He won't really care. And, and, and we can lie to ourselves. And so Paul says, listen, don't do that. Don't, don't deceive yourselves. And then he says, no sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexuals, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, revilers or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Those people will not go to heaven. That's a dangerous message, isn't it? That's really dangerous. That's really bad news, especially if that was the end of the story. If nothing changes as is in that status, in that condition, those people won't go to heaven. But there is a possibility of a status change. Listen to this. Verse 11, Paul says, Some of you were like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. There can be a change. You know, if you went out onto the, out onto the street and were just to walk up to somebody and say, Who goes to hell? You know, I think regardless of their knowledge of scriptures, regardless of if they've read a passage just like we read, I think the average person out there, if they believe there's a hell, I mean, obviously there will be people who say, well, I, I don't believe in that. I, I don't believe there's a heaven, don't believe there's a hell. But if they believe that, they probably guess parts of the list we just read. You know, they would say, oh, you know, uh, murderers, man, murderers go to hell, or, or adulterers, or thieves, or, you know, just, just the really bad. They're really bad. They, they go to hell. They, they would say that. And, and, and a lot of us, we would look at a list like that and we'd say, well, I'm not on that list. I, 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 haven't, I haven't done that. And, and we feel a certain sense of security in that. Even though we can deceive ourselves, we actually are on the list. Or, or maybe we're not on this particular list of sins, but we'll deceive ourselves and say we're okay. But we would guess, yeah, that's the, the kind of people that go. You know, I want to try to answer two questions this morning. Two questions. The first question, does Jesus believe in and talk about hell? Well, the second question I want to answer is, who does Jesus say goes to hell? 
You know, you know, on both of those questions, folks, we could, Old and New Testament, we could look at hundreds of verses. Literally hundreds. And, and we could outline and we could fill in detail on what heaven is, on what hell is, and what Scripture talks about who is in these places. And, and, and we could look at different ideas and what different people have said about this. And I mean, we could spend really probably several Sundays looking at that. But in, the, in all that is out there to discuss and to debate on that, we don't want to lose that there's absolutely a very simple, very direct answer to both of those questions. And that's what I want to try to do real quickly this morning is just give a very simple, very direct answer to those two questions. You know, in Matthew chapter 25, it's a long chapter. It's 46 verses long. And almost that entire chapter, Jesus is talking about the end times. He's talking about judgment day and, and people being separated into, into the righteous and, and the unrighteous. And he, he comes to the end of this long discussion. The last verse, verse 46, and Jesus very simply says this, and they will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life. Now you can just look at one sentence that Jesus said, and it's very clear that Jesus sees there are two groups of people, not three, not four, not a middle group that we're going to wait and see on and, and see how it kind of pans out. No, there's two groups. There's the, the righteous and the unrighteous. Both groups live forever. Both groups live for all eternity. One in a place that Jesus calls eternal punishment. The other group in a place that Jesus calls eternal life. Jesus continues in, a, in another place talking on this theme. And in Matthew chapter 13, He says this. He says, and the, the angels will be sent out. And, and they will separate the evil people from the righteous. And they will be thrown into a blazing fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now folks, just in, in those two sentences, those two verses, we can affirm, we can make three observations about what Jesus talked about, about what Jesus believed. Number one, Jesus believed hell is a real place that people go. He believed it, he talked about it. Secondly, he said that hell was a, a place of fire and great suffering. And lastly, Jesus said hell is forever. I'm not saying those are the only things we would want to know and understand about hell, but I mean, just two verses we can very clearly see Jesus clearly said those three things. Now, when you look at the reality of those three statements, I, I think probably what goes on in a lot of us, then we want to know, well, who's going there? I mean, that sounds awful. Who, who, who lands there? Now, we could just go back and look at a, a, a list like what we've just looked at. We'd say, well, yeah, you know, the murderers and the, and the thieves and the, and the adulterers. Yeah, that, that's who goes there. But, but does Jesus talk about anybody else? Does Jesus talk about any other people that will be in hell? And He does. And would you be surprised to know that Jesus says, name callers, people who call each other names, will go to hell. Listen to how He explains this. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. He says, You have heard it was said to our ancestors, Do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. Now, you know, in the context of our discussion today, we would say, well, yeah, that, that's right. Murderers. Murderers are going to be judged. I, that I know. But Jesus goes on in verse 22 and He says, But I tell you, 
everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. Whoever says, you moron, will be subject to hellfire. I don't know about y'all, I kind of read that and think, wow, Lord, you know, calling somebody a name and you become worthy of hell for all eternity? That seems kind of out of balance, doesn't it? It doesn't seem very like a, a fair punishment. Because that's, that's just such, we would say that's a little thing, isn't it? You call somebody a name. And, and I think Jesus would say, say, you know that person you're calling a name? I made them in my image. That person belongs to me. They don't belong to you. I will judge that person. You don't judge them. So you know what? That person's not yours to make comment on. Does that make sense? God's saying, hey, you know what? That person doesn't belong to you. It's not your responsibility to make comment on them. I'll take care of that. Folks, Jesus hates it. Clearly. When we tear into each other with names. And the one who will do that in anger, in jest, in sarcasm, the Scripture says, can find themselves in hell. Another situation, another group of people that Jesus talks about being in hell. Man, this is kind of a, a shocker from left field. The religious. Now, it's not being religious that, that puts somebody in hell. But li- listen to how Jesus explains this. Chapters, this is still Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, the Gospel of John describes the will of the Father as believing on the name of Jesus and following him. But he says here, just because you say, Lord, Lord, that doesn't mean you're coming into heaven. He explains on in verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Wow. (laughs) Clearly heaven is not about having a a, a religious resume. I, I mean, here's a group of people who can say, now, we've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And Jesus says, get away from me, I don't know you. Folks, you see, it's not about a resume. What Jesus is interested in is a relationship. It's not if your resume's in the top 25% or how your resume compares to others or if you've got the right things on your resume. It's not about a resume. It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I think when we first hear that, you can kind of be shocked and say, well, well wait, wait, wait a minute. What's the point of being religious? I thought that's what got me into heaven. So we might be shocked to hear something like that. But you know, when you stop and think about it, that really makes all the sense in the world. Because you think about it, we know, you know, you can be religious and not know Jesus. You absolutely can be religious and not be anything like God at all. I mean, think about it, folks, some of you in here, you know somebody that, that could be described as religious, but you know them and you think, my gosh, they got to be close friends with the devil. That's the darn meanest person I've ever met. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, clearly there, that might be a religious person, but they're not anything like God. And if you're not like God, then you're not like heaven. If you're not like heaven, that's not where you're going to live for eternity. They're religious. Not necessarily in heaven. It's not about a resume. It's about a relationship. 
Another situation where, where, where Jesus talks about uh, people not being in heaven. This is Matthew 25, beginning in verse 44. It says, Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And then he will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me either. And they will go away into eternal punishment. Uh, uh, Apparently, folks, when you and I neglect the poor, when we neglect those in need that God has brought into our path, when we neglect those who maybe in a time, in a moment, cannot help themselves, when we neglect that, Jesus says that we're worthy of hellfire. I tell you what, on all these situations, don't you just kind of want to, you know, if, if we were in a class with Jesus, you want to raise your hands and say, uh, I have a question. <laughs> what about? What, what about this, Lord? But, but what about that, Lord? And we'd want, we'd want explanation, wouldn't we? we, we we'd want some, some elaboration. We'd, we'd want them to further explain these things. And, you know, the truth be known, I think we could look at some of this stuff further explained, elaborated on. And you know what? I think some of us, well, really, probably all of us at one time or another would come back to that whole discussion and say, you know, I don't think God's fair. It just doesn't add up to me that, you know, I call somebody a name, so now for all eternity I'm in hell. That's not fair. It's interesting that you and I see ourselves in a, in a position where we believe we can comment, critique, judge the actions of God. I mean, you think about it, He made everything. He made everything. He made you. He made me. He made the air that we breathe. He owns everything. You realize you've never seen anything. You've never touched anything that God doesn't own. It's all His. Yesterday is His. Today is His. Tomorrow is His. And God's knowledge? Man, God's knowledge is... is, You can't compare our knowledge. There's no fraction small enough. there's no comparison between what God knows and what we know man folks God knows everything God knows not only what is or what will be or what has been God knows possibilities he knows what might have been what could have been what might be God's God's knowledge is infinite it is pure it is good it is perfect our knowledge is nothing like that God is holy and righteous and just we're not We might have some good days where we kind of come close to it, but for life, holy, righteous, and just? No, we haven't been. And yet, we will stand back in our position so puny, so limited in our understanding of anything, and act like we can comment, critique, and judge the fairness of God. How incredibly arrogant we are. The reality is that Scripture very clearly teaches that all of us have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and, And the Bible says that there's a consequence for that. Whether you agree with the consequence, it is said right up front, listen, there's sin and here's the consequence. Romans 6.23, the wages, the payment, the consequence, the result of sin is death. And that death is not about a a casket. 
That, that death is not about a funeral one day. That death is about spiritual separation from God. It's about being in hell for all eternity. That is the consequence for sin. The Bible clearly communicates we are all sinners. We're all worthy of hellfire. Yes, the murderers, the thieves, uh, the, the immoral... Yes, the, the name callers and the, 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 those who are trusting in their religiosity and those who neglect the poor and folks, a whole host of sins that I haven't mentioned. A whole host of sins we haven't discussed today. We are all guilty and that is really bad news. But there's good news. There can be a change in that condition. God loves you. Yes, in that condition, God loves you and wants to see that condition, wants to see that status changed. And so while God says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, the verse continues this way. But, contrast, a change. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God. Not, not the resume of Randy, not the, the goodness of Randy, not how Randy compares to others, but the gift, the gift of God for me is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friend, Jesus Christ wants to invite you today into a personal relationship with Himself. He doesn't invite you to, to come up and, and be religious or to be more religious than you were before. He doesn't invite you to come up and get a, a gift package of all the benefits that come with being a follower of Jesus. You know, I think sometimes the church is guilty. I, I am. I think I've been guilty of sometimes peddling Christ. You know, you know, selling Him. Boy, if you come get Christ, look at all that comes with it. Now, folks, honestly, I believe when you come to faith in Christ, there's a lot of really good that the Scripture communicates comes with a relationship with Christ. But, folks, Jesus in the Gospels never entices somebody by saying, hey, if you come to me, you know, here's all that you get with it. What He actually says is, you know what? You're going to go to hell for all eternity. It is horrible. Come follow me. I'm the one, I am the way, I will lead you away from hell and to my Father. I will lead you to eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. I will lead you to the life that my Father and I have created for you. I will lead you to salvation. And you know that every time in the New Testament, Jesus says, today is the day of salvation. He never says, now go away and fix something first. Go away and think about something first. What Jesus says is, today, today, today is the day of salvation. Today, choose to stop going in a path. I promise you this is where it lands. Come follow me. Do you trust the words of Christ? Jesus today invites you into a personal relationship with Himself. You know, maybe you're here today... And you don't have the security of eternal life and the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe you're here today and, and you're listening to this and thinking, man, you know what? I might, I might be what he's talking about. I might be that person that just was trying to make sure I had enough religion to get in. I think I've been trusting in religion instead of that relationship. Maybe you're here today and you actually made a decision to follow Christ. You've already done that at, at some point in your life, but you've never followed him in the waters of baptism. You see, for that person who says, yes, Jesus, I will follow. Did you know that Jesus said the first step you take in following me is in those waters of baptism? 
Does that mean if I'm going to follow Christ, okay, what do I do next? Jesus says, be baptized. This was so important to Jesus that he was baptized. Now, Jesus wasn't baptized for the reasons you and I are. He wasn't baptized because he was forgiven of sins. He had none. He, he wasn't baptized as a, a symbol to show that here, Randy Hahn, is, he's dying to sin and self and he's being raised to walk in a new life. Jesus wasn't dying to sin and self. He wasn't rising to walk in a, in a new life. You say, well, why was Jesus baptized? It was to create a place, a way that you and I could begin to follow him. A very physical, very concrete, and if you think about it, really easy way that the first step I take as a follower of Christ, I'm going to do just what he did. And that kind of sets a pace for life, doesn't it? Because as we come up out of, our water, of those waters, that's to be the attitude the rest of my life. Every step I take, what did Jesus do? What would Jesus do in this step? How do I follow him into this? So maybe you're here today and you've, you've made a decision for Christ, but you've, you've never followed him in believer's baptism. Man, if any of these situations describe you, I think Jesus would, let's take care of it today. Today's your day. Today's your day. In a moment, we're going we're gonna to continue this morning in our time of worship and our, our congregation will stand and sing. And when we do, we're going to enter really a very long time of, of invitation. At, at any time during the service, at any time during the, the, the time of singing and worshiping, man, when you sense that God is saying, man, I'm talking to you. Man, I want you to go forward. I hope you'll just take a step and come forward. You know, a lot of times at the end of our service, we have pastors down here. The pastors won't be down here. When we stand and sing, you can just come down any of these aisles. And I just encourage you to walk right out one of these doors. You don't usually hear a preacher say that, do you? Get up right in the middle of church, just walk right out the door. Um, but when you get on the other side of those doors, you know what? There's people there to help you. People there to pray with you. People there to answer your questions. You know, sometimes people come forward because they've got questions. They're not ready to make a commitment. They're not sure they can do that or they want to do that. And so they think, well, that, this is for people who've already got their questions answered, already sure. No, this time is for you if you're not sure. As a matter of fact, you could get back there and, and talk to somebody and, and, and ask some questions and you may still feel like, you know what, I, I don't know that that's me. I don't know that I'm ready for that. You know what, that's okay. That's okay. We're not going to force you to do something because you, you came back there. I would suggest at that moment you don't need to be baptized. But, but don't come forward, don't miss the opportunity to come forward and ask some questions just because you're supposed to have them all answered. That's not required to follow Christ, to have all, all the questions already answered. Maybe you're here today, and I know there are some people, you came this morning, you're already prepared to be baptized. You, you came with your stuff, you came today knowing that was going to happen, and, and you're ready to go. And you'll, when you go through those doors, you'll sail right on upstairs and, and you'll be ready to be baptized. But a lot of people in here probably, you didn't come ready to be baptized. You're saying, I, I can't do that. I've got, I, I'll be soaking wet. You know what? Why you didn't come prepared? We're prepared for you. We've not only been praying all week about what God might do in your heart and life, but we prepared. We've got clothes for you to change into. I can guarantee you this. You entered this room dry and you will leave this room today dry. With everything you have on. The only difference there will be is you'll be a child of God. With eternal life and the forgiveness of all your sins. Secure in your life. When we stand and sing, will you take that step? If at any time during the rest of this morning that we're worshiping. And you know God's speaking to you. Will you say, yes Lord? Will you come forward and go out one of these doors? 
Before we begin our time of worship, I want you to watch something that happened in one of our earlier services this morning. Would you turn and look at the screen?